Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, I'm Audley Stevenson, and it's a pleasure as always to be here on another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast, and of course, uh, this is hands down the most audacious podcast that you'll find on the internet, and I really want to send my appreciation and thanks to our listeners and our viewers for joining us here and spending some time out of your day as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever as always i encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels uh we're on twitter and instagram under the handle the audacious pod and then if you head over to facebook and search the audacious living podcast you'll find us there as well uh if you're watching uh, on youtube then you easily can subscribe to our uh, youtube channel by simply by tapping the notification bell down below and there you go you're connected so uh I'd encourage you to like, follow, subscribe, share, tell a friend, and let's keep uh, this audacious conversation going and going and going. Uh, and let's just rock and roll with it, man. It'll be good. Uh, I'm super pleased to have Phil Van Hooser joining me on this edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. Phil is an all-around great guy, and you know he and I first connected just over ten years ago when I was he was a guest on another podcast that I had, and so uh, it's fantastic that we're able to reconnect and essentially do it all over again. So it was a nice reunite reuniting with him, and um, you know, look, Phil is a guy that's been in the leadership development space for over 30 years and you know he clearly has a heart and passion uh, for his work he's an expert on communications and leadership as well as being a hall of fame keynote speaker so it definitely is a big deal um uh, he's got a book out, his latest book, it's, it's called Earning the Right to Be Heard, and it's the perfect strategic communication tool uh, that can help each of us be more audacious in our communication with others, and particularly when we're dealing with decision makers or individuals whose attention that we're trying to get. It all starts with building a connection, and you're going to hear Phil Talk and discuss about the importance of how much influence and, and, and our, how much it can affect our influence and ability to effectively communicate. So uh, uh, connection is key, uh, and it's something that we all should focus on. Uh, I, I can go on and on and on, but this is where I'm going to stop talking and give you an opportunity to hear from Phil Van Hooser himself. I promise you, this is an absolutely wonderful chat. Enjoy. Uh, th- so first off, thank you for, for spending some time here with me on the Audacious Living Podcast. It's great to reconnect with you again. It's been great to be here. And uh, as I said, seeing that smiling face makes it all worthwhile. Thank <laughs> you. Well, it's awesome. It's great to have you here. And, um, you know, your, your work, you, you've been in this field, this area of leadership, you know, 
30 years? I mean, Phil, this is a long time. My goodness. It's amazing. Uh, it's actually coming up on next year, I guess, will be 34 years wow. of doing it full time. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been uh, a passionate about leadership and yeah. leadership development for my entire life, yep. specifically my pro professional life. But these last 33 years have gone by so quickly, but they've also been so rewarding. Uh, the things that I've been able to share, of course, I feel blessed by, but it's amazing what I've been able to learn from some really, really fantastic leaders that I've been able to come in contact with. And, yeah. and so now having the opportunity to have this kind of conversation just is sort of icing on the cake. Awesome. It is. It is. Out of curiosity, and uh, what's changed? I know that's a really big question. Uh, when you think back to you know, the, the length of time you're doing this work in the field of leadership development, what sort of things have you seen evolve and change over time uh, when it comes to how leaders manage the people they work and work and, and develop their own leaders and uh, develop their own people into leaders? Well, it's a great question. And, and I think I'm sort of uniquely qualified to be able to answer it because, and, and no, no joking intended, I come from a different generation. When I came into the work world in the late 70s, early 80s, yep. there was a very autocratic yes. leadership philosophy. Yes. It was sort of the same. It was at home. You know, uh, yes. parents were autocratic. Children didn't have a lot of say. And and it was same in, in school or in sports or whatever. And so it carried over into the into the workplace, no question about it. But but soon after, uh, this is my experience, mm -hmm. soon after I entered the workplace, let's say in the first five years after I was actually working, I started to see a seismic shift right. in terms of, of um employee employer relationships yes I, I specifically worked at the time for a very progressive uh, manufacturing company that was embracing the concept of employee involvement employee participative management and i wish i could say i was smart enough to see it right. on the horizon i wish i could say i orchestrated yep. or manufactured all this yep. but it's yep. not true what what happened was they started sending me off to all this training, these training programs to learn and to sort of at least embrace the right. different leadership styles. I thought it was because I was brilliant. Uh, the reality of it is that was not the case. Right. I just had not developed these bad habits yet. And mm. so I was able to come into this leadership discussion at a time when there was change afoot I sort of embraced it, and then I just sort of followed it and built on it with my own work. And yes. so to answer your question, what was autocratic 40 years ago yep. is far more democratic, far more participative now. Yes. So that's one big shift. And you could talk about that for 45 minutes alone. Totally, yeah. But then you've got the big shift of the changing attitude of employees. And there's been so much that has been written. I mean, when I when I went into the workplace, yep. oddly, I was literally given this advice. Get in there, do your job, stay for 30 years. The business will take care of you. You'll retire <laughs> with a wonderful pension or a wonderful retirement plan or whatever. Yep. It may be. Yep. Yep. There is no one that's being told that. And if they are being told that, you got to be really careful. You better be watching carefully what else these people are telling you yes, yes. because it's just not as secure anymore. And so now we've got employees coming to the workplace that are, in my opinion, better informed. I'm not saying better, better educated. I'm not going to no. argue that point. No. But when you have, uh, when you have a, a, a computer 
a huge computer in the palm of your hand and you can check out anything in a moment's notice, that's information available in a way that it was never available. Correct. So number one, they're more informed. Number two, they're more mobile. They're going to go where the opportunity leads them or where their interests lie, et cetera. Again, in my early generation, there were people that went to work and stayed for 30, 40 That's years. Right. That's right. I, I literally, oddly, a few years ago, spoke at a banking conference out West mm -hmm. and they introduced a lady at lunch mm -hmm. who was celebrating and about to retire, but celebrating her 62nd wow. year of working for this particular bank. Wow. That's six, two. Wow. And I'll never forget. Wow. I went up to her afterwards. I, I couldn't help I heard it. of. I went up to her afterwards and she was this bright little lady and she's very positive and all the rest. And I shook her hands and I said, look, congratulations, but I got a question. Why now? After 62 years, yeah. why now? Yeah. She looked at me. I swear this is the truth. She looked at me and she goes, my husband's getting older. <laughs> and I thought to myself, so are you lady 62 <laughs> years plus 20 or whatever number that you were when you started, wow. but she didn't see that in herself. No, no. we're still young. So you see a changing shift from staying with the same company, mobility. Yeah. And then the third thing, and, and I'll hush, I promise. The third thing is that people are just better protected today than they've ever been before. Oh. Um, and when I'm talking about protection, I'm talking about legal protection. I'm talking about protected in the workplace. Uh, I think that's a good thing, by the way. I yes. think it can be taken to the extreme. And yeah. I think that it can be a problem in that regard. But, you know, when you put together that, that employees are better informed, more mobile, uh, better protected, and, and let me give you a fourth one, and more focused. Yeah. They know what they want. Yeah, they're willing right. to commit to it, et cetera. Yeah. When you put those four things together, leadership changes. Yeah, you absolutely. better be a, a, a better leader and willing to embrace all of those things if you want to make a difference, if you want to make an impact yeah. in the organizations that you represent. Well, it's funny, as you talked about the focus piece, that the fourth point that you raised, you know, very much now, you know, individuals, employees, they're looking at companies and figuring, does this company fit for my values, what matters to me? Because if it doesn't, I'll go somewhere else that does. And, and, and that's a real change. That's a huge change. It's not just about the paycheck. It's not yeah. just about, you know, the title or whatever. It's about making a difference and having a value set that that can be matched up the business i'm working with the business that i'm willing to do um you know i made a promise i'll be honest with you i made a promise to myself 33 plus years ago when i started this business that i would not work for a client or for an organization or an individual that i did not like gotcha. or respect or trust yep the reason for that was I had worked in organizations where there were individuals I did not like, respect, or trust. You know how it now, felt. <laughs> why, why would we do that? Why? How can they're not going to get the best of us? Right. You know, if we don't. So I think the I'm excited, quite frankly, about the the young generation, the newer generation. I'm not trying to age myself. I think it's just a different stage that yep, I'm in. Yep. Yep. But I'm excited about it. You know that I'm working with my daughter-in-law in the business and she's yep. a millennial and that's just brought a whole level of en yep. uh, energy to the process. 
and and I was I was going to touch on that because you, you you have these different generations now, and we and we've seen this last a while all in you know in the workplace together, and they all have different values and, and different skill sets and different interests and, and and mashing those together. And I was actually going to talk about the fact that you and Allison, uh, who yeah. is a past guest on the podcast, uh, that's a shameless plug there for me. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, uh, you and her work so closely together, and the work that you do is dynamic. Well, since you're into shameless plugs, let me give one as well. Sure. I, we have just started, she and I have just started a Facebook Live uh, program called, uh, called The Man and the Millennial. And we do it every other Friday. It's on my Facebook Live, Philip Van Hooser, or in my, on my uh, uh, YouTube channel. But, but the exciting part is that I can come and bring years of experience. Yes. She can bring her passion. Yes. She can bring her perspective. We can put it in there and, and as you said, mash it up and see what comes out the other side. And frankly, what comes out the other side, 99 times out of 100, is a better result. Yeah. I know more and am better prepared to deal with the challenges that young employ younger employees are facing. She, on the other hand, is able to come out and able to see a perspective that's broader than her own based on years of experience yeah. and maturity. How can that be bad? Yeah. How can, as long as we're talking to one another, right. as long as we're interacting, how can that be bad? And, and, and you're very, again, interacting, talking, communicating, hearing one another, which I think is a good segue into uh, your book, Be Heard. Um, I wonder if you should talk about that, uh, because I think, you know, I, I think it's very, very relevant to what we're talking about here, especially from the aspect of I'm hearing you, Phil, and you're hearing me. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. I'm going to hold up a copy. There Look we go. how green that is. Isn't that, that I mommy? Mean, that's almost as green as I am. For <laughs> everybody, you know? Nice shiny cover. I love it. The, the, book, the book is a book uh, that should have been written 25 years ago when I first started training on the topic. Mm. But it wasn't. And the pandemic gave me some time to sit down and actually write out the process. But there's a couple of things that are really important about communication. We all know this. Communication is the key to any leader-follower relationship. I don't care how smart either of the two parties might be, how dedicated, how committed. If they're not able to communicate with one another, we're going to have a breakdown. Yes. The second part of it is that connection is the key to communication. Yeah. Again, I hear people say, well, I'm not a very articulate or I don't like to speak in public or I'm not the best listener. And all of those things are important. They should be worked on to be improved, but they're not the key to communication. Connection is the key to communication. If you like me, if I like you, if we've connected, you'll forgive the fact that I'm not articulate, yeah. I'm not listening all the time because we're connected. That's right. So this book, Be Heard, is about situations that I have seen over the years where someone tries to sell an idea okay. to someone at a higher level in the organization, a decision maker, a yeah. superior, a boss, yeah. a board of directors, whatever it may be. Now, here's the problem. They're not connected. Mm. And the reason they're not connected is because each one is too focused on their own right. circumstance or situation. For example, most people I have discovered, and I go into great depth and detail on this in the book, try to sell their ideas based on passion and emotion. Okay. They get so worked up. They care about it so deeply that they think that they can, they can, by way of their own force of personality, yeah. I can cause oddly to feel the same way about it that I feel yeah. about. Which, which isn't, which isn't a bad strategy, right? Because we know we connect to passion we get excited and it's a matter it's of 
it it's you a, excited, right? It's not a bad strategy if mm-hmm. we understand the other person really, really well. Gotcha. Because the other person, if he or she is in a decision-making position, has the responsibility that has been entrusted to them to make a decision not for you, right. but for everyone, for the shareholders, for all the stakeholders, yeah. et cetera. Now, here's what I discovered. And I discovered it because I was one of those young, passionate, emotional guys years yeah. ago, so had lots of ideas, wanted to sell them to my bosses, yeah. and I got rejected a lot. Mm-hmm. And finally, I had to sit back and go, they're not bad people. They are coming at this whole process differently than I am. Whereas I'm trying to sell on passion and emotion. Right. They are only buying, buying on logic and rationale. Reason. Yeah, yeah. And that was the breakthrough for me. When yeah. I realized that I can sell to them my ideas, my perspectives, my initiatives, but to do so, I must do it on, lo- on logic and rationale, not right. passion and emotion. Right. Then all of a sudden, five questions. Five questions that every manager needs to have answered before he or she can can give us what we want or for us to move forward. If I know those five questions, I should be able to develop answers to those five questions. That's what the book is all about. Got you. I, I, I. I, I love the the explanation around the passion and and, and energy and excitement. Uh, I I know for me that's that's always been a big one, and I think I sell everything on that, right? I, you know, because because there's reason to be passionate, excited about, it. and the whole idea, and that's why I sort of I connected to that and go, well, hey, it, it's not all bad, but I to your point, I I I, I hear it loud and clear because that connection piece is needed. People love to be around passionate and yes. emotional people because it's just there's an energy there. Yes. I mean. It is true with you. I enjoy being with you for exactly that reason. But if we remember that decision makers cannot be cannot fall victim to just right. being swept along, right. that they have a very definitive purpose, then all of a sudden the logic and the logic and rationale make make perfect uh, make perfect sense yes. in terms of what we do. Now here's where the here's where the real fun begins when you're passionate and emotional about realizing the logic and the rationale behind the initiative, that's when all the stars are aligned and that's when good things begin to happen. That's a great combination. And you, again, when you look at what leaders are accountable for and what they're responsible for, uh, there's a lot, like you said, the shareholders, everyone's looking to them to make leader decisions that are aligned with the best interest of the organization. And, and, quite, and, and quite honestly, I think if you're making a decision on this, this abstract emotion, energy kind of thing, people kind of question your abilities, wouldn't they? Well, they think that it's all sizzle and no steak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like, oh, he talks a good game, yeah. but show me the numbers. You know, what was that old Tom Cruise movie? Uh, show me money. the money. <laughs> show me the money. Well, right. you know, managers have got to really think in terms of that. That may sound a little bit crass, and I don't mean it that way, but they're measured on performance. Performance is often identified or determined by way of uh, bottom line impact. So yes. it only makes sense that, Books like mine would better prepare people to, well, to know what their measurements that they themselves are going to be evaluated against. And hopefully this book will be valuable in that regard. Got it. Got it. I, I want to go back and dive a little bit, Phil, into the, the power of connection, because uh, that, that clearly that clearly is a starting point uh, to, you know, for everything else to fall, all the dominoes to fall into place, so to speak. Um, why do you think that's oftentimes overlooked in, as, as a, a, a starting point or an area to ensure that there's, okay, look, 
let's connect first. Let me understand them. Maybe understand me. And then we can move from there. Why, why do you think that's kind of overlooked sometimes? If I could oversimplify, admittedly, okay. oversimplify, I'm going to put it all in one word. Okay. Selfishness. Mm. Selfishness. We are too selfish. We think more about ourselves than we do about the other. Now, the other could be our spouse, our children, our friends, our neighbors, our employees, our customers. But if we're thinking too much about ourselves and not enough about the other, then that's selfish or that's narcissistic or mm. call it whatever you will. But I believe that if we can get past that and realize that there is a lot that I can learn from oddly, there's a lot that I can learn from or, or benefit from by knowing and spending time and caring about others, then all of a sudden the connection is easy to make right. because it's not about manipulation. It's not about, uh, it's not about taking advantage of right. someone. What's in it for it's me? Not, it, it's about true concern right. and connection. Right. And that's where really good things happen. You, you, you and I have been around long enough that we know that there are some people that we have to interact with. They're forced upon us because of the situation we find ourselves in personally or professionally or whatever. Right. But we also look for every opportunity to get out of that or to move away from. It. But there are other people that we feel connected with that we can't wait to spend time in conversation or spend time in terms of activity with. And those are just the blessings. And I, and I believe the best communicators are the ones that really invest mm -hmm. in getting to know the other person, getting to know what, what's important to them, caring about them, and then the connections just follow. Right. Um, right. I don't think it's hard right. once we get past the selfishness issue, right. but I think it's, it's almost impossible if we can't get past right. the selfishness right. issue. Right. And again, when you, so if you bring it back to our earlier part of the conversation, we were talking about leaders and the changes in the workplace and the, the nuances and all the things that are affecting leaders today. It is very much, and, and, and it's not always saying, you know, I'm, I'm consciously being selfish thinking about me. I may be consumed with the work of the organization as a leader, right? But, right. you know, th but that piece around shifting my focus from everyone else to this individual, let's say, for example, you know, that needs to happen because that's what strengthens the connection with the leaders and the individuals that are following them. Well, and I think we're all practical enough, at least as adults, that if we see our boss or the person in charge spending some time with us, but not all the time with us, right. we see that he or she is sharing their time and building those connections with others, then all of a sudden that's where the team activity is. You know, we realize if you're, you're, an, you're an old athlete and still involved actively yeah. in sports, et cetera, mm -hmm. if the coach only focuses on one of the players, if it's the superstar, then that sends the bad message to, uh, to the quote-unquote average or mediocre right. players, right. Uh, role players, we'll call them. Mm -hmm. If he only focuses on the role players, then the, then the superstar feels like he is not able to grow and develop. The good coach is the one that understands I have got to meet each player where they are, establish that connection with them so that they trust that I have the best interests in leading all of them, the entire team, yes. toward that, that established goal, the championship or the league championship or whatever it may be. It's only then that we can have the successes by way of connection, communication, and of course the team activity that is greater than any one of us can realize individually. For sure. Uh, I, I love the point about meeting people where they are. 
Because I think that's, again, we talk about things that are overlooked. I wonder if you could expand on that, Phil, a bit, because um, I think that, that again, we're going back to connection and, uh, and, and why that's so significant. The whole idea of, you know, I'm here and you're coming to me kind of thing. Well, you know, you know that meeting people where they are, there's lots and lots of applications. But I got to be honest with you, I'm a grandfather now. <laughs> I have got nine grandbabies, count them, nine grandbabies. <laughs> I, awesome. I want you to know I've got the best grandfather name in the world. Oh, yeah? What's that? The man. <laughs> the man. They all call me the man. And, I mean, that's just their <laughs> Now, the older ones have kind of abbreviated it to man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Not the man. But, but you know, one Love of the it. things I'm discovering about these children, and by the way, the grandchildren go from nine down to one Amazing. in a stair-step formation. Amazing. One thing I've learned is that for the nine-year-old to care about me, I've got to connect with them when they're a one-year-old. Hmm. I can't wait till they get to the age where I think they're fun. I'll be honest with you. I love babies, but I, you know, <laughs> come on. I, I can only goo and gah for so long. Yep. And I need to go and go so that that child knows yeah. who I am so that we can talk later and play and even travel much sure. later still. I'm going to give you a quick example. And this, this is, I was talking to someone about this last night. Okay. Allison's youngest, the, my daughter-in-law that we mentioned a few minutes ago, yeah. Allison's youngest turned one year old last week. Okay. That means she was born in the midst of the pandemic. Yes. Because Allison and Joe, are my son Joe and Allison are responsible parents. They did the pandemic distancing and keep that baby safe and their yep. family safe. And we respected that. So it was not until that baby was over four months old that I was actually able to hold her in my arms. Now, this is the gospel truth of all the other eight grandchildren. I mean, they love me from that quick. I mean, we would play and I would get on the floor with them and that relationship has continued. Yesterday was the first time that that one-year-old ever reached to come to me. Yesterday. Wow. Because why? Well, you could say, well, Phil, you treated them differently. I didn't. I tried to treat her exactly the same way as the other eight. You could say, well, her personality is different. Okay, I'll give you that. There are different personalities. Sure, sure. But I think the big key is we didn't have that bonding ex experience in the first four months. And it's taken her that long to using your words, trust, respect, come to me. Yes. In other words, the connection was harder for her. And I think this is an important lesson yes. because there are individuals out there, leaders now that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. forget grandbabies and yep. grandfathers. Yep. Yep. There are some followers that are harder to connect with. It takes longer. It takes more effort. And sometimes it's just not the same as with other employees. And for the poor communicators, the poor leaders, they just wash their hands up and go, well, you can't, you can't, you can't get to know Audley. He just, yeah. you know, he just, and we write them off when in fact we should be working harder, not quitting yeah. on building that connection, building that relationship, because every person is important. And as you said, meeting them where they are is critical to the ongoing relationship that will develop as a result, be it good yeah. or be it bad.
Absolutely. It really is. Phil. First of all, I, I, I love the story of the grandkids. I think that's a really good illustration because it's true. It's you talk about when you start building the connections and and oftentimes and it's true, very true with children like, or, or even adults. You think back to moments and you think back to your childhood and things that you remember about individuals. Right. You remember those moments of love and interaction and excitement and you, and, 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 and the feelings that they generated. So it, it's, it's not that much different with adults and children. Right. It's the same. But the sad part is a child will also remember distance and coldness and all the rest. And that, too, is not much different with adults and children. That's why we've got to be very intentional. I talk a lot in my leadership programs about being an intentional leader, yes. knowing what you're doing it and doing and doing it regularly, consistently, on purpose for the goal, the objective that you have set forth. And, and I think too many people are just lackadaisical yep. and, and not as focused as they need to be. And as a result, the, res the results they experience are not what they had hoped for. That is it's all very true, very true. And the intentionality, and that's why I think your book is, 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 is very fitting because it, you're, you're intentionally communicating you're to, to be heard. Because we all communicate, we wanna be heard. No one communicates to, to be ignored, we wanna be heard. And this is what you're doing through the book. Well, and that's what you're doing by way of this podcast, for example. You, you say we need to be audacious. We need to be bold. We need to be focused. And, and so putting it out there saying we need to be heard, then we say, well, now we've got to do that. To say we need to be audacious, you go, well, now we have to do that. And then the next question is how? how? And once we find the how, the, the ability or the willingness to do it is not difficult. It's a lot of people simply don't know how right. you're trying to help them with this podcast. I'm trying to help them with the book and other work that I do. Um, I, I think good things can follow if people just trust us. It, it absolutely does. And I think we look at where we are in this day and age, Phil, uh, it's, it's definitely needed. The, the, the lack of connection is there. Uh, you know, you've got these two sides, one that, you know, use, you know, use the, the vaccine. Some are vaccinated, some aren't. You know, they've got opinions on who this, this person is better than the other side. There's that lack of understanding of, you know, what's important to you or why do you feel the way you do? And, the, you know, th those questions aren't being asked. So, you know, when we talk about things that are impacting our connectedness, is that that's a perfect example. We talked, uh, I wrote a book, uh, this is not my first book, this in fact is my sixth book, and I wrote a book several years ago entitled, We Need to Talk, mm. and then the subtitle, Building Trust When Communicating Gets Critical, and in it, I identify six things that are necessary for face-to-face, nose-to-nose, and I don't mean this in a confrontational way, nope, nope. but face-to-face, -face interactive communication conversation. Yes. The first of those six points is, and I think it lays the groundwork for all that follow, is talk with people. Unfortunately, at this day and time, we see people talking at people, yes. Yes. about people, down to people, behind people, but they're not talking with people. Yeah. If we can just get to where we can talk with one another, I don't have to agree with everything that you say. You don't have to agree with everything that I say, but I'll bet you a dollar to a donut that you and I have far more in common than we have that separates us in terms of what we would talk about. And therefore there's more opportunity for us to grow a relationship, for us to work in the same, in the same vein or toward the same goal. And yeah. unfortunately, if here's the, here's the sad truth, if people don't want that to happen, right. it won't. Right. 
I believe it can happen with anybody, but the first and most important point is they must want to talk with someone. And frankly, you do. I mean, you're constantly looking for new audience members. You're looking for new people to include in your podcast. I, on the other hand, am the same way. I'm looking for new people to talk with that I can learn from, that I can share with. Um, I'm not saying you and I are better than the average person, but I do believe that's a lesson that we've learned that has benefited us. Yeah. And I believe that same lesson can benefit others if they if it were to be embraced. Yeah. Well, it, well Phil, it's 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 you know it's an opportunity for growth. Uh, you know, as you throw throw your you know where you are in your work. I highly doubt it's the exact same place that when you started. You've go, grown through that process. Uh, you know, again, we, we reference working alongside Allison through that opportunity. There's growth in that as well, and there's development. So I think when we 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 get caught into talking to people, right, not listening, not getting an opportunity to gain perspectives, uh, gain understandings. I'm talking to you just to convince you that you're wrong. Then we're showing the opportunity for growth. Well, and you know the reality of it is too. Shutting off opportunities for growth means that we don't realize our full potential. Mm. And what's how sad, how sad if on the last day of our life, some whenever that might be, mm-hmm. someone came and said, isn't it sad that Phil could have done so much more? Isn't it sad mm. that Audley could have done so much more? I don't want that to be said of me. You know, I want to use up everything I've got. I want to take advantage of every opportunity. I want to be as as bold and audacious as I can possibly be without being offensive and without being, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a, bo- a bore to be around. Sure. But I want I want to maximize the opportunity. And and you know. That's why I look forward to always look forward to look, talking to people like you who who sort of see the world through the same through the same lens. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's awesome. I, I really uh, well, first of all, Phil, I appreciate connecting with you again and sitting down and having this chat. Um, you're, just, you're, you're ultra inspiring just in terms of you take a really well, no, you take a, a, a really black and white approach to things and make it easy to understand. And, and, and again, you know, when you sort of talk about the in communication, that's what you want. You want people to understand what you the messages that you're delivering. Um, again, uh, I can't say enough how thrilled I am to watch you and Allison work together. I think it's a dynamic combination and uh, it's great stuff. I have had an opportunity to check out your, 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 your Facebook live chats there. And uh, you the, man quest- and the, millennial. the man right. and the millennial, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you take live questions, right? People can send you a question. You guys answer them on the spot there. And I think that's, again, we sort of talk about the new ways of doing things because when you started leadership, you know, 30 years ago, those, those tools weren't available to you as, as they are now, but you've opened up and you allowed yourself to experiment and try. And I think that's a great part of what you do. You know, and how can you not be excited if you're in the field of communication yeah. and who isn't today how can you not be excited about living at a time when you can communicate instantly with people around the world? They can see, they can hear you. You can learn from them by seeing and hearing them. Um, If we truly have ideas, you know, we can get it out there very quickly. People can make their determination if it's something for them or not. But the fact of the matter is it's a wonderful and exciting time to live. I think. Yeah, it is. I'm with you on that one, Phil. I'm with you on that one. Let's hold, let's, let's hold up your book one more time so we can get the, the big green shine. Be heard. Uh, um, what's this, what's the subtitle there? Learning. Earning, earning the right to be mm-hmm. heard. That's and then right. subtitled, sell your ideas, build your influence, 
and grow your opportunities. All of it contained in here, a strategy and a recipe for doing just that. Gotcha. gotcha. And you, and you reference there's five key questions, right? That, that are being asked. Can we quickly, I, I'm curious myself, you know, what, what are we asking people? What are those questions that, what are we asking? Remember I said, these are five key questions managers yep. must have answers to yes. before they can feel comfortable in, in approving or moving forward, et cetera. So the five questions are these, and they are in sequence, okay. at least the first two and the other three then follow suit. Number one, how much will it cost? Mm. Number two, what will be the benefits I can expect? Number three, how long will it take? Number four, uh, how difficult will it be to implement? And number five, what are the consequences of me not doing this? Mm. I not only tell you the five questions, those are pretty obvious, yep. but being able to answer the questions in a way that decision makers will be able to respond positively and therefore not only help you get what you want, but secondly, and more importantly, help you earn the right to be heard going forward. That's what I do in the book. That's awesome. And I love the fact those five questions, you can apply those to any sort of decision model that you go through. Absolutely. Professional, personal, like those are, those, those are all key questions that I'm trying to think people really should be considering, if not all of them, at least some of them for sure. When you get ready to buy your next house. That's right. This book will help you. When you get ready to buy your next car, this, this book will help you. When you get ready to help your children decide which college or university they're going to go off to, this book will help. Those five questions are universal in their scope and they apply in so many different situations. So I hope you can tell I'm excited about it, but I'm <laughs> equally excited that you're excited about it. I was going to say, I hope you can tell I'm excited, but that's probably uh, it goes without saying, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what good things happen there. That, that it is. Phil, where, where, where can our audience go to, to check out the book or learn more about the work that you do? Really simple. Um, to find about the work that I do, go to our website, Van Ho my last name, Van Hooser. I think you have it on the screen. Yeah. Uh, maybe vanhooser.com. Yeah. That to explain, and you'll find not only my work, but Allison's work there as well. As far as the book is concerned, certainly go and just uh, fill, P-H-I-L, fill at vanhooser.com. I'll send all kind of information on it. Uh, the book will be officially released on uh, November the 16th. But we have a we have a page on our website that people can learn more about it, et cetera. But again, type in Philip Van Hooser, type in Be Heard. You should be able to find the book. Amazing. Amazing. Phil, this has been so great. I'm glad we sat down and chatted today. Had a lot of fun. I think, I think you're, you're onto something extremely important. Uh, again, from that connection, we talked all about the importance of connection. That is a root. That is a starting point. Uh, and without that, everything else is just that much more difficult. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you're a, you're a wonderful, you're a, you're a gentleman and a scholar. You're, you're giving me this opportunity to be a part of this discussion some 10 years after our first meeting and uh, conversation. So I guess I should set my clock for 10 years from now when we're going to talk again, right? Let's well, hey, listen. Let's hope it's not 10 years. Well, it, it won't be because I know, I know, I mean, the, the, the woman at the bank worked 62 years. So what, you've got, what, 29, 20? We got a ways to go there. We'll have a few more conversations, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Take care. Take care of yourself and then good luck to you, my friend. 
Back we are here on the podcast, and uh, my appreciation thanks goes out to Phil uh, for joining me and, and sharing some uh, wonderful insights. Uh, in fact, they were great, great, great insights. And you know, Phil is absolutely right. Connection is the key to communication. And I, again, appreciate you, Phil, for being here and sending that message and, and spreading it. And again, congratulations on the book, uh, Earning the Right to Be Heard. Uh, it's a great read, and I'm sure listeners will uh, really appreciate it. You know, uh, Phil left us with so much to think about. But if there's just one thing that I take away from our conversation, it would be this. A key aspect to effective communication is tied into our ability to connect with one another on a deep, authentic level. It's for this reason why understanding others and being understood are essential to building human connection. Being more understanding of one another increases our willingness to accept views, beliefs, and behaviors that are different from our own with a lot less judgment. And doing so eliminates the divide that keeps us separated. The closer we are to one another, the more effective our communication can be. And that's truly how we earn the right to be heard. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com and all you've got to do is enter in your email address and you will immediately be alerted every time there is new content that comes out. Uh, So I encourage you to do so. Um, we've reached the end of another episode of the Audacious Living Podcast, and I always have to, show, have to show my thanks and appreciation to our awesome listeners and supporters and all those lovers of Audacious out there. Uh, thank you for your ongoing support. I can't uh, express enough appreciation for all you've done to keep this thing going. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe. Be kind. Show love to one another and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.